0: Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm not going to talk in that voice ever again, I promise. Welcome back to Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Thank you for joining us on this journey, this amazing journey through life and all the lessons, all the struggles, all the joys, all the ups and downs, all the plants. All the medicine, all the love, all the friends, all of it is right here on Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Thanks for joining us for episode 14, another wonderful episode recorded live here in Peru in the Sacred Valley of the Incas, altitude 8,000 feet, nearly 3,000 meters. We're way up there. We are high and flying. In today's episode, we we covered a variety of topics. We talked about the struggle, the gift of the struggle, because all of our struggles carry their gifts. And when we see the gift in the struggle, it makes the struggle at least a bit more acceptable, and perhaps even embraceable. We also talk about Lyme's disease and Felix's Journey and struggle with that, and the medicine that helped him. We talk about microdosing, different plants, different mushrooms, how those can support us. We talk about the power of the mind and the power of the imagination. We talk about a man named Neville Goddard. Neville Goddard is a teacher who's inspired me a lot. I highly recommend looking into his teachings. He speaks about the power of the mind and the imagination to bring about the outcome that we desire in our life. We talk about choosing optimism over negativity and fear, and how the self-replicating virus of negativity will get us nowhere. And it's a hard one to avoid, because it's everywhere, but we can make that choice. We can jump on the optimism train, non-stop express towards victory. (laughs) Oh, this is fun. We talk about changing our beliefs and how important it is and how difficult it is, but how possible it is. So thank you for joining us on this journey. Again, please, right now, the best way to support us is to like the podcast, leave a five-star review of the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, whatever you can do on the platform that you are using. This really helps us. Please just take two minutes. It helps to get the word out so others can join us on this journey. You can also join us on this journey through social media. So we are very excited to announce our new Instagram page, Instagram fate page, Instagram. Anyway, we have a new Instagram (laughs) and you can find us there. Our Instagram name is beyond words, underscore podcast. Underscore is not a word. It's a symbol. So beyond words, the little line that's on the bottom Podcast Beyond Words underscore podcast on Instagram. Felix is running the Instagram show for us, and he's awesome. You know Felix. He's the man. We're also can be found on Facebook. Uh, for now, right now on Facebook, we have a group that you can join, and the group is called Beyond Words with Felix and Al. So join us there. Uh, that's where we share uh, videos and Books and things we discuss in the podcast, it's also a place for you to just join the conversation on this journey. Speak to us, let us know what's going on for you. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. And for those of you that are social media averse or would prefer to privately contact us, we have an email address and that is Felix and Al at Protonmail.com. That's Felix and Al at Protonmail.com. And we're just asking all of our listeners right now to please get in touch in whichever way, social media, email, and let us know what you're interested in. If there's something we discuss on the podcast but haven't gone in depth about and you'd like to guide a conversation in that direction, please let us know. Uh, anything, anything you, you, you're interested in, uh, we'd love to talk about it because we love what you're interested in too. <laughs> That's it. So that's all for the announcements. We have some exciting uh, projects in the works with this podcast. We're expanding it, we're growing it, we're creating new content, and uh, more on that to come. But for now, enjoy the journey of Episodio Numero
1: 14. Oh, <laughs>
0: Oh, sí, señor. Bienvenidos a Filexial. Somos dos hermanos aquí en. con palabras en español. Tenemos que hablar de cosas, medicinas y luz y todo. Todo es bueno con Filexial. Gracias a todos por escuchar, sí. Este podcast es brought to you by número uno, tres. Es muy bueno. Episodio 14. Aquí estamos para hablar de la luz y de todos, hermanos. Aquí en Perú sabes que la comida es buena. Tenemos ceviche y también muchas variedades de papas. Sí, sí, gracias. Muy bien. Uh, bienvenidos, hermanos, hermanas, and that is the end of the Spanish portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to rap in Spanish, man.
1: It, it threw me for a loop. I trying to like follow you, but Spanish is more flowy than my <laughs> my ukulele. So
0: <laughs> uh, no, man, your ukulele was 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 holding the the anchor there. I would have. <laughs> I would have gotten lost into an infinite abyss of linguistic confusion.
1: I was, <laughs> was kind of already there listening to you. I was like, wow, Español. Vamos a hablar puro en Español. We, we basically spoke in Spanish in the beginning of this one. We had a friend uh, who spoke to Safa today and said, uh, do you know any good podcasts in Spanish that talk about plant medicine, that talk about, uh, I don't know, things spiritual things <laughs> and she's like I don't unfortunately so Safa doesn't speak very much Spanish so we decided to do our intro in Spanish so thank you Rhiannon for inspiring us
0: there you go you can just listen to that intro many times and you'll be fluent eventually in seven words does yeah, she really. already speak Spanish? she does fluently Oh, yeah. so maybe she shouldn't listen to the intro That's <laughs> terrible I thought it was brilliant. Oh, thanks, man. We're
1: going to post a, a little video, too, very soon on the, the Instagram page. So not only do I have a private page, I'm not asking you to follow the private page, but we will have a page for Beyond Words with Felix and Al on Instagram, and we'll post little clips of videos of us together, uh, whether it's here in person together or long overseas together. Uh, yeah. Our little jokey clips, so...
0: We're just trying to get more involved, more connected. Trying to be, it's a,
1: it's a science. It is. The more I'm dipping into this social media world, I'm like, I don't know anything.
0: Yeah. Man, I had such an aversion to social media, but I I realized I had an aversion to like using it just personally to like share about myself. But when it's about a project, I see how it's really useful and good and exciting and it's yeah so it's it's a different dynamic for me sharing about what we're doing rather than me and how i feel today yeah i can definitely
1: echo that i mean there is a not this is a very blanket statement there is some element of narcissism that is involved with social media i can see um some people some people i'm not saying again this is a very that's a very blanket statement i'm sure it's very few but I watched a a short clip of, it was like, a, it said narcissists in the protests. And it was like all these Instagram models and like, a, I don't know what any of the Snapchat or something like that, models posing in front of broken windows with like paintbrushes. And then they'd like get back in their Mercedes Benz and drive <laughs> off. It's like, That's hilarious. Like, it kind of turns me off from this world. But at the same time, like, if it weren't for social media, like... I don't know how far our podcast would reach, and I'm just really grateful to all the people who are supporting us through Facebook, through Instagram, through Apple, you know, media. iTunes. iTunes. Or Apple Podcasts, Apple yeah. Apple Podcasts, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing tool. We talked about this before, and there's so much shit on social media, so I'm happy to put something, I don't know, more interesting and useful on there to fill the gaps. Yeah,
1: let's... <laughs> We're like the creamy filling in between each of the crappy (laughs) crackers. (laughs) Yeah. Like Grey Poupon. (laughs) Grey Poupon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So how are you? How are you today?
1: I'm great. I actually have a pretty interesting story to share. I wish I would have shared in the last one after coming out of Dieta. Um, I have been allergic to red meat for about eight or nine years. And this came after getting Lyme's disease and what I think it was from is uh uh they call it the Lone Star Tick, so it's a certain I don't know, strain of Lyme's disease that creates a an allergy to red meat. And in this last dieta, I had a ton of dreams about red meat. And it was like me going to the store to buy red meat to
0: uh Oops, sorry, I moved.
1: It's okay. Uh to buy red meat, to eat it. And like, I just kept hearing throughout the diet, like I can actually eat red meat, which is like, I didn't know. I was like, okay, this is a test. Like I shouldn't be thinking about this. There's no way I, this is like, I can't, I can't think about this right now. And it just kept coming up. There's like something in my body that was like, no, it's like, it's time to eat red meat. And I was terrified. So I went and I got like a little mini steak at at uh, Plaza Vea. Oh, sorry, at Aicha, <laughs> local the local butcher. It was a Milanese steak, which is like kind of like a breaded steak. Um, and I tried a little bit, and I waited. I waited about an hour to see if I would start breaking out in hives and vomiting and whatnot. And nothing happened. I was like, oh, is it over? So I finished the Milanese, and I waited again, and nothing happened. And so with this, I don't know if it was just this dieta. I mean, it could be so many different things. Drank a lot of different plants in the last eight years, so uh, it's hard to really pinpoint. But really, at this point, the plants were telling me, which was amazing, that it's okay to have red meat again, and it was true. And I've been actually eating quite a lot of red meat, and I and I've been very anemic for the last eight years, like, it, and it's caused a lot of issues. Um, but yeah, to to be able to eat red meat again is a huge, huge thing for me.
0: When was the last time you tried before?
1: It, the last time I tried was let let's see it's 2020 now 2015 so five years ago
0: and you would break out in hives and
1: i didn't know it was going to do this and i ate this piece this large delicious steak i went home and literally it felt like i was dying like i couldn't breathe i broke out in hives uh i was vomiting a lot sorry it's a bit graphic but um yeah it, it was it was terrifying and so now it's over that's amazing it's it's wild it, it it blows my mind
0: well congratulations thank you you can have alpaca now i can have alpaca i can have all kinds of had hamburgers yeah i had a hamburger the other day i haven't had a hamburger in 10 years wow <laughs> so what is lyme's disease exactly
1: well lyme's disease is a very strange disease that mutates once it's contracted so Lyme's disease that comes from a little island called Lyme, and actually, right now, really, yeah, there's a this island of Lyme uh, was actually a test facility for bioweaponry for the U.S. military. And recently, I just saw that Congress—it was being brought to Congress—this uh, case of Lyme's disease coming from this, basically, bio, biological warfare, because of how it messes people up so bad. And so they're they're going through this court trial right now. I haven't checked into it recently. I've been offline quite a bit. But um yeah, so once once you contract Lyme's disease, it mutates. So the first symptom I had of Lyme's disease was the flu. Like it was like, Oh, I just have a flu, you know, like had a fever, uh, tons of mucus coming out my face and didn't feel good. And the week after that, it was like anxiety, depression, um, I felt like I was losing my mind after that it turned into like organ failure. It started like destroying my Jeez, organs. Wow. Um, so it's a pretty aggressive virus or disease. And the thing with it, it's so hard to test and find that you have it unless you know you the, okay, I found a tick. I found, uh, I saw the tick. It was a deer ticket. They come from deer ticks specifically. Um, and if you don't find that, it's like you, you just go to the doctor and, oh, I have the flu. And then you go to the doctor, oh, I have anxiety. And you just go for these other things, and it's very hard to find where it's coming from.
0: And it, it, is it a, it's a virus or a parasite, do you know? Like, and it attacks.
1: I think it's a virus. It but.
0: attacks the immune system, attacks everything. everything.
1: And, it, and it's strange because it can infect each person differently. I had a person, a guest come down and they had the worst case of limes i've ever seen basically they had memory loss hair loss uh, they started having seizures and auras and like Jeez. it was just it was destroying them and none of the doctors knew what to do or how to treat it it's it's not a very common disease but it's becoming more mainstream yeah i mean i think there's over 400 contract or 400,000 contracted cases or noted cases, Confirm cases. confirmed cases and where were you when you think you when you got bit with a tick uh, I was in Southern Maryland doing some forestry work
0: because that's where apparently it's most prevalent. It's in the East Coast of the United States, closest to the government. And where Whoops. where is this island? Where is the Lime Island? I don't know that. Huh? But I know the island is called Lime.
1: Wow! So that the only reason I found that out was through this court case that was coming up to with Congress.
0: And it w- wasn't that a primary? That was a, prim- a big reason you first came to ayahuasca. It was a huge reason. And you you experienced immediate like improvement from ayahuasca
1: definitely yeah definitely i mean as far as like i mean with ayahuasca ayahuasca is really interesting because it boosts the serotonin in the system like there's a huge jump in serotonin um which is like the happy drug
0: during the experience
1: yeah um so when that anxiety depression kind of really set in and then i took ayahuasca it just kind of pushed that aside and it gave me more space to actually want to keep going and figure out what's going on and and heal it deeper. So that was that was definitely a crucial element
0: to well, to my healing. Wow! Well, so it gave you kind of a boost because you were so debilitated by it that it's even hard to address it when you can barely get out of bed. And
1: well, yeah, it's not just getting out of bed; it's also like brain fog, which was so annoying. Like yeah, I really like I've said on here before. My clarity is is my favorite drug. Yeah, <clears throat> and. When I had brain fog, it was just it, you just can't function in life. You just everything is half there and half not. I can't fully engage with my environment.
0: I know, man. I mean, I saw a lot of people come through the Temple of the Way of Light where we both worked facilitating, and they would come. With a major reason was Lyme's disease and all the symptoms it came with, and and yeah, I've been really blessed in my life. I haven't had anything like that kind of chronic ailments and especially ones that are kind of mysterious and people have tried hundreds of different approaches and they can't get to it and it's just debilitating but not debilitating to the point that people take it so seriously it's like this subtle thing where it, the person looks okay but meanwhile they're in pain and they're have brain fog and there's depression and it's, it's like so a disease like Lyme's disease it's maybe it, and it seems to be getting more and more attention now but it wasn't getting so much attention because it's not so obvious. The symptoms from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for any kind of mental illness that starts to creep onto someone slowly. Um, you can't really tell it's there, or it's like, yeah, it's it's hard to. Just never judge a book by the cover, by its cover, because it's like sure. you, you have no idea what's happening to the person internally, like what amount of pain they're in physically or uh, mentally, emotionally. It's it's such a challenging thing, and with Lyme's disease, like. Nobody really understood I, I seem pretty normal I mean I, I know how to cope I know how to smoke weed so you know like, yeah and smoking marijuana was actually what helped me have an appetite which helped me to keep my body strong which wow. helped me with a lot of different things so marijuana was an incredible aid in that as well
0: so many people are suffering quietly or even they I think some people just kind of get they get used to it in a way they just accept that they're gonna feel like shit and but I saw a lot of really positive results from ayahuasca and when they would come to the to work with Shipibos at the temple, Shipibos don't, they didn't know what Lyme's is, you know, and so firstly trying to explain it, you know, and when we have consultations, explaining what it is and what the symptoms they're experiencing are. Um, but ultimately it's really in the ceremony that they would look at the person and look look in them and in their field and just approach it from that way. And they had really amazing results. So I'm I'm curious like what, from how you see it through ceremony and through the lens of ayahuasca and energy, like w- w- is there something you see with it and and how it's attacking the person
1: it's even it's even hard in that space, I think yeah. I mean we've spoken about this before, there's so many elements to a human being, and it's like with this disease in particular, the way it attacks the immune system, the way it attacks the mind, the way it attacks the nervous system, all these different aspects of the body it's like we almost have to go through a checklist okay this person has limes where is it shutting down where is it attacking them the most in this system and not that it's a bad spirit but that's a way we see it like this this virus is like a, it's almost like this bad spirit it's like a this energy that has intention and direction if i can describe a bad spirit in the best way and it's mm-hmm. not a good intention for its host And so, yeah, within my journey of experiencing this for myself and doing a lot of ceremonies at the temple and kind of going into, well, what is this thing that's feeding off of me, that's taking from me? I mean, especially with the energy loss, it's like this vampire or vampiric force. Um, And I'm not saying it's a vampire, but that's how we address it. And that's Mm -hmm. how we see it within this context of of visions and and, um, working in that space.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you see it... What is, does it look like something?
1: It looked like a tick to me. Uh, so I actually, I looked for a tick. I looked for, a, or like a parasite of some yeah, sort. In the like, body. In the body. And it's, it man, it's incredible what singing to somebody can do to move a parasite out of a system. Um, I've watched, Shapibo purify the blood of somebody who's had toxicity in their blood? They sung it out of them.
0: That's amazing. It's, it's just
1: like, what? I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's still amazing to me, even when it happens in, in this own space, in my own space here, where it's like, oh, we're going to purify your blood. You have a toxicity. You have metal poisoning in your blood, but it's like, this is where I'm grateful for this Western context of being aware of what Lyme's disease is and how it attacked me. So if there's another person who has Lyme's disease, it's really important to understand all the ways it's, it started destroying their body, their mind, their spirit, whatever. Um, it's a depressing force, man. I, I was very depressed. It felt so debilitated through that process.
0: So when someone comes with limes and you ask them it and they explain where it's happening, that helps you to kind of focus in on those areas. Right. And work from there.
1: Yeah, and it, and those areas can lead us to a grander route. Like we're always looking for the route. We don't really the symptoms are great, so it's like it's challenging when someone comes through for a consultation. It's like, Oh, you know, I I have a headache all the time and I feel this and I feel this and it's like okay, that's those are all fruits of some grander tree, and now we got to find the the stock of the tree, or the trunk of the tree. and Now we have to really look for the roots. If we actually want to help you, we have to find the root. Mm-hmm. If we don't know the root, then we're not going to help you. Yeah, and that's that's the challenge. So it's like really synthesize, and that's you know we had the same challenge with consultations at the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, because it's if you're not addressing the root, you're addressing if it's a tree, you're just trimming the branches, but it keeps growing. Whereas you can deroot it. How do you see? Because I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people come. Like when they would come to the temple, the, the primary reason people come is, like depression. What like, what does that look like?
1: Well, there's varieties of depression. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, there's entities that sit inside the aura, or there's holes in the aura, uh, where energy is leaking out. Um, sometimes depression can be like a, a tristeza or a sadness that's sat in the heart so long. Like we say that like a trauma. Like a trauma. And it sits in the body so long that it actually creates a weight. It almost creates like a rock in the system. And so through the process of cleaning that we have to like break up the rock, figure out what the trauma is and help to unwind it from mm-hmm. the the heart especially. So the heart tends to hold the greatest weight of emotions as a lot of people know, that makes sense. Cause yeah, yeah. when you're really sad, your heart kind of starts weighing heavy. down. Yeah. yeah. Heavy heart. So it's literally weighed with something. And it's like, and there's actually so many cures for depression. The issue is too, with depression is the person often, and I'm not saying this is a broad spectrum case, but the person becomes attached to that state of being in some form or another. Like I, I was for many, many years. Like that's why I listened to like pretty heavy music. Mm-hmm. It was like embodying this space and it's not, it wasn't necessarily bad. It's a great place to learn from, like our, our Jacob question last time, you know, learning from these dark places. But at the same time, I didn't move anywhere, and I was in this, like, kind of, like, heavy hot tub of my own misery. Um, but, yeah, depression can be a lot of different things. And so, it's like, looking in a person, and when they say depression, it's such a broad spectrum sure. thing. It's like, okay, well, is it mental depression? Is it, like, the thoughts that are radiating through the head that are kind of the circus or the merry-go-round of thoughts that keep playing over and over what are the stories this person is telling themselves and where is it that this root has grown from which is, again it goes back to the root of the trauma or the incident where somebody said something really mean to them or where they were abandoned or hurt really bad mm-hmm. And uh, those, those impacts of our past of our childhood are massive I was thinking about this today uh, Louis C.K. talked to, he's, he's quite vulgar Um, but he talked about this, he's like, you could literally do anything to a baby and they'll, they won't remember it. And that's absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely not true. Uh, a baby can actually remember way more than we understand. The issue is when we become adults, we don't know why we're messed up. We don't know why we're interacting with the world in a certain way. And it's because we had CPTSD or something that's beyond this, um, this story that mm-hmm. we've created of our life. It's like
0: pre-cognitive trauma. Right. And the baby, yeah, the baby absorbs every, all of it.
1: I'll give it a personal example. I was five years old, and I, one of my family members had a huge mental breakdown and had to go to the hospital. They were hospitalized for 11 days, so they were gone. And nobody could tell me anything but there was an awareness that some something happened, something snapped. It became unsafe, and so there was this constant fear of like watching people of like, oh no, this is an element that even in my family was there. Like, and it was it was severe depression that really crippled this person's life. And like, but the child doesn't know what severe depression is. The child doesn't know why this person disappeared. The child doesn't know why this person was throwing cups across the room or whatever it was. It just was an incident, and it reflected in my life and how I interacted with people who had similar characteristics to this person in my life. So to uncover that, to, to really excavate this, this terrain of my childhood psyche was, is is very challenging because I don't want to remember these painful things, but I need to, if I actually want to live a better life.
0: Um, yeah. So it's like shining a light on the root of it. So your whole approach is, understanding the root, the root cause, because that's where you can access the actual lasting healing. And what's beautiful with this is it's like having the
1: opportunity to share in these experiences. So it's not like I've, I'm not perfect. I have not, I'm not a master in any, any sense of the word I'm always learning. And so every time I have this opportunity to work with somebody else, they shine, they help to shine lights in places in myself that were previously hidden. And it's like they have their own personal stories. But at the same time those personal stories shed light on corners that I didn't look at. I didn't know were there. And it wasn't until they actually reflected and showed me their pain that I started to see my own pain. So it's mm-hmm. like it's interesting how vul- vulnerability has become the catalyst of healing not necessarily like, I don't know, being perfect. I'm never going to be perfect, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 10,000 lifetimes I'll, I'll reach that, but but uh, it's the ability to be in a community, this new sangha, um, or yeah, the community, the sangha, to have this dharma, to have this teaching of of learning. And, and man, I, just to reflect again on these podcasts, like this is, this helps me to shed light on places. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's there. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Like, wow, this is a discovery process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, we touched on this in the last episode. But again, I think this is such an amazing time to be alive because uh, many of us in the world, while life can be difficult, we're still in a position where we can actually open up to these vulnerabilities and actually look at our trauma and look at the root cause because I think there was a long period in human history, it seems, where that was really difficult to do because we had to worry about so many other things. And so... I can see how it became the MO of humans to just repress and push things down because we just can't we can't put ourselves into a vulnerable state when we're just trying to survive day to day. Mm. And now we have this this space that we can be vulnerable and we can even function with friends and society and people in our vulnerability and and allow these things to come to the surface and shine a light on them rather than just go through life, avoiding it, pushing it away, reliving the same patterns and uh, over and over again and then we die and now we we have this opportunity really to 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 look at ourselves we're in a really pretty amazing position right now if we for those of us if it's our intention to to grow and to evolve and to heal so I was having experiencing brain fog uh, this week. Mm. And it it happened, I was rolling, I was in jiu with our friend Chase, and um, I mentioned to him, like, I just couldn't retain anything. He would give me instructions, like, with my body, and I, I just, it wouldn't connect from my brain to my body. I couldn't move the right way. I was just, it was a really weird experience, and I attribute it to several things. I think I was just not eating well those days and I was maybe jet lagged, but anyway, he suggested I go. I try um, cordyceps mushrooms because we have a guy here uh, uh, in in Peru in the Sacred Valley who he grows all types of mushrooms, edible mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. So like cordyceps or lion's mane or reishi, and then he also grows magic mushrooms as well. And so I went to see him to buy some cordyceps, and I. Exp- explained about the brain fog and he's like, well, here, I'm just going to give you this, uh, this purple powder. And it's, and he said to microdose it and it's psilocybin. Uh, and so he gave me some pulverized powdered psilocybin and he showed me what the microdose is. So for the past few days, I've been experimenting with that. Uh, and I wish I had some lion's mane. I want to go get some lion's mane from him because Paul Stamets, who's like the mushroom master, if you Google Paul damage, you'll see what I mean. And he's recently been talking about doing a microdose combination of psilocybin and lion's mane because lion's mane specifically works on the brain, on memory, on cognition. And he finds that, that combining the two with psilocybin uh, just like magnifies the impact on the brain in terms of bringing clarity and cognitive function and cognitive repair. So people that have had you know, multiple concussions or trauma that really impacted the brain. Like he sees that this can kind of reconstruct that and reopen these neural pathways that have been uh, blocked through our traumatic experiences. So, but I'm experimenting with combining psilocybin with, uh, with, um, cordyceps. And so it's day three. And I don't know, I think it's good. There's a fine line between a microdose and a dose. I've learned that I learned that when I was back, when I was playing a lot of tennis, I was in New York and I was like, I'm going to microdose psilocybin and play tennis. And uh, the first time I did it, it was great. And I would just like, I was just a little bit ahead of the game. Like I feel like everything slowed down and my coordination was just tip top shape. And I was hitting the ball with just perfect timing. But the next time I did it, I think I went a little bit beyond the microdose and it was like, And so it was just a little too much because my coordination now was a little bit off and the colors are really bright. And then I found myself pondering what's the point of even playing tennis? Like, like, what am I doing? (laughs) So it, it, it brought a little too much perspective, you know? So there's a fine line, but a microdose, and I don't even know what, you know, you can look this up online, like what is technically a microdose of psilocybin, but you know, what he showed me for what I'm doing now is just like the tippy tip, tip, tip of a tiny spoon is a microdose of this powder. And he said much more than that. And you'll start to feel it. He said, when he goes beyond that, sometimes it's hard for him to maintain a conversation, to stay focused. Uh, but I do notice like they've, I believe scientists have and doctors have like mapped the brain when people are under the influence of psilocybin. And it's like all these parts of the brain that don't usually light up, light up in these studies. Like it really activates the brain. So I'm really curious. And to me, that this is like with plants and with mushrooms, there's really two. There's two ways I see of using them. One is the therapeutic way, which is like the microdosing. So to actually help with symptoms... Um, but without really getting into a deep experience and getting to the root, that might be difficult. And then, upping the dose, we get beyond the therapeutic of the of the symptoms, and we get into the accessing accessing root causes and facing our shadow and all these things. So, um, and the same with uh, you know I've microdosed uh, San Pedro as well, and it's similar, um, where it has a cognitive effect that's not really a ceremony, you can go about your day, um, but it just seems to open, expand awareness in a certain way. Uh, and the same with iboga as well, microdose that. Um, but the thing with iboga is, you microdose it enough days in a row, it starts to build up. <laughs> so I was doing that for like a week, and then one night I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like deep in an experience, and it was it really freaked me out? I was like bringing up all my fear, and I was like in an alternate reality. And I was like, oh geez, okay, I need to lay off the microdose but uh yeah mushrooms are really cool man yeah well in
1: in paul Statham's book i think it says how mushrooms will save the world mm-hmm. that's like the one of the catchphrases i have the book here i'll post it on the on the facebook group and the instagram group just to share what we talked about but i i man microdosing was is, a, is an incredible tool for healing the body and the mind mm-hmm. um i was microdosing mushrooms psilocybin mushrooms for quite a long time and just yeah it's it's incredible but that line between microdose and i actually had a dose <laughs> became a bit blurred so i stopped for a bit and then had to reset and start over again uh yeah but i mean i'm a very firm believer that no matter what disease is on the planet like nature has a cure no matter what yeah like these plants are billions of years older than we are totally I mean, we can't even imagine how old or intelligent these plants are and it doesn't matter if it's a new disease or not i still think plants have the cure for it um during this covid time covid time <laughs> the covid era the, the covid era uh i was talking to my teacher sui and he was telling me oh yeah in the village they had 3 cases and they were cured in 2 days they like said, we have all the plants that we need to actually get rid of it. It takes nothing. And it was just like, it's common knowledge plants, not even like the secret plants that the maestros know.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I believe it, man. I mean, if nature... Because it seems to me, if if human beings, if we just disappeared from the planet, uh, within a couple years, it seems, the planet would just... It would rebalance itself pretty quickly. It seems that the overall course of nature is balance and harmony. And so what is disease? What is uh, a virus? It's, uh, what is the impact of disease on our body? It takes us out of balance. It's imbalance. And so nature, by its very nature, brings back balance. And so there, I think it's, it's inevitable that every disease has a cure in nature. Because nature is the balancer; it's the it's the harmonizer, and uh, indigenous ancestral indigenous traditions knew that. They didn't get distracted by the marvels of modern science, and so they totally understood that, and maybe didn't verbalize it in the same way. But it was it was uh, self evident that nature brings balance. And they worked with nature and they worked with the harmony of everything. And I see that we're going back to that. I think we have to. And uh, we are also nature, right? Like human beings. So although we're, we're a little different, but we are. We're nature, but you could argue that we're, I don't know, maybe we are uh, the result of a... Sci- alien science experiment (laughs) fucking with the DNA of a monkey and creating us, you know, I don't know, but we're still nature. We're part of the universe and the universe is, it's in balance, right? Everything's in balance. So there's a cure. I
1: believe that. I mean, not as like a, like a, I read it in a text and that's an interesting fact, but it's like seeing how nature naturally finds balance for things. Um, you know there's plants that eat radiation. there's mushrooms that eat radiation there's mushrooms that can eat metals. there's mushrooms that can eat microplastics like if If nature didn't know about that, it wouldn't have the mushroom to counter that.
0: Yeah, mushrooms that eat oil spills too well then in, in from that same argument it's like well if if a population of a certain animal is out of control, nature creates uh, an equalizer, generally like a virus, right like or a predator. Or predator you know, yeah exactly it just equalizes so it's only when we come in with our limited intelligence
1: that we start to mess things up I think of a good example of Hawaii Hawaii has some of the rarest birds on the entire planet they only exist in certain islands there and and what happened is certain flights would go from Guam to Hawaii and the snakes would sleep on the tires of the planes and the helicopters And they would get into Hawaii. So the the Hawaiians were like, oh, we can't have the snakes. They're they're eating all our indigenous birds here. We should bring in mongoose. So they brought in the mongoose. And the mongoose ate all the snakes and started eating all the birds and just started destroying the environment. And it's like we think that adding a species to an environment or taking away a species from a We try to
0: play God. We can't do that. We can't win. We the will same not thing happened in the Caribbean. I lived on St. Thomas and there's huge mongoose problem. It was the exact same reason. Wow. I think I forget why they brought the mongoose. Was it for rats? Maybe it was for snakes. Um, but yeah, St. Thomas is invaded by mongoose and iguanas. Like iguanas. They don't have any predators. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's f- Iguanas everywhere, man. It's insane. You have to really be careful when driving. There's just like, iguanas there's flat iguanas smashed iguanas on the road it's <laughs> like
1: yeah it's weird yeah well i think of this this article i saw recently in, in the u.s of they found a method to get rid of mosquitoes okay i know i understand mosquitoes are annoying mosquitoes carry disease they're they're annoying um, but they're a huge food source for birds and so you take out you know you take out this element of the mosquito and you start killing off this certain bird. Well, you kill off that certain bird, you get a certain other insect that's going to come around that it feeds on, or another animal that it feeds on, or whatever, and it's going to start throwing things out of bounds slowly. I remember reading something that, without bees, humans can't exist. Bees. Like, this other insect, you know? And it's like, well, okay, we're going to go kill the mosquitoes, but it also gets, like, you know, 50% of the bee population stuck in these traps as well.
0: Wasn't there a Black Mirror episode where they had... I think it was wow. It's getting windy. We got a storm coming. It's a twister. It's A twister. A twister.
1: It's a twister.
0: Uh, I think it was Black Mirror where they they had created uh, robotic bees. Yeah, I think so. Bees had gone extinct, so they figured out, okay, we'll just make these tiny robot bees, and they pollinate. They're just like programmed to pollinate. But then somebody got a hold of like the programming and started programming them to like basically burrow into people's ears and destroy their brain <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's pretty fucked up but uh uh yeah balance everything's in balance i also heard that there's now a genetically modified mosquito that kills malaria mosquitoes or something there's something they're doing with malaria by genetically modifying some mosquitoes it's kind of kind of freaky i actually. mean
1: genetic modification is such a dangerous hey, it's like, a slippery slope man safa safa actually mastered in genetics and biology oh, and wow. so she she was doing this in in a laboratory and i think she had this realization um one day of like she oh, how could she ever think to do this to play god by splicing genes or whatever and making new genome I, i'm using the terms incorrectly i'm sure but it, it would it terrified her, so she stopped that that work, uh, and then started selling medical equipment. But yeah, I, I she listened to this um, documentary on where gene splicing is now, so they can basically create they can go into an embryo, and uh, and change the genes and change the DNA in it completely, so it has certain characteristics. And what's interesting about that is recently we started reading A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, which is an incredible book. I recommend reading it. A new TV show is coming out on A Brave New World. It's actually written, uh, one of the writers is Grant Morrison, the guy. I posted it on the Facebook group. And uh, in the beginning of A Brave New World, they're in the genetics facility where they birth human beings. And they can decide what kind of human beings they have. They have like alphas and betas and sigmas and all these strange terminology, but They can make really stupid people that know how to do tasks, just very simple tasks. They make really intelligent people who can be leaders of government. They make really, they make even more intelligent people for scientists. And it's like there's all, they can make a human in whatever way they want. And we're actually at that point. We've hit that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I believe it, man. But isn't it, like, hasn't nature already been doing that for us? You know, like... It seems, yes, there have been problems in the world, but there's kind of a balance of, like, people, some people are born to be leaders. Some are born to be technicians. Some are born, like, everyone kind of finds their their role. And so for us to come in and interfere and determine, I mean, who knows? But, you know, then I think to myself, but we're also part of nature. And so if there is some grand design, then this is also part of it. And part of this grand design is us exploring with manipulating with DNA and and manipulating ourselves as a species. I mean, but yeah, I think it would suck, especially it would suck for, for like the generation of humans that's still like normal, the result of normal breeding to be around at the same time where these first humans are coming up that are like superhumans and to have to compete with them. You know, for for jobs, for podcasts.
1: <gasps> for for athletic you know, everything. Yeah. Right.
0: They'd have to make like different leagues, the superhuman league. But it just would be really unfair for a while. Um But and,
1: again, I th- I think nature create like you said, nature is doing that naturally. And I think that, you know, yogis and Shabibo Maestros or Murayas have proven <clears throat> through hard work, dedication and sacrifice, you can attain incredible states of realization and moving your being in certain ways there's stories of yogis who can control each organ in their body sure um so it's like it's it's already there in the system i think it's it's it depends on whose hands it's in and what their goal is with genetic modification who's really going to have control of that yeah now they have patents for genes whoa that's weird tell me that's not creepy
0: so like a person would be patented
1: yeah or some of their genes would be
0: yeah, I don't understand enough about it to really get too worried about it, freaked <laughs> out. But uh I I would imagine inevitably even the superhumans they would have their they would be born they'd have their traumas and issues, right? And maybe I don't know, I just sense that if we if we manipulate too much out of the natural way of things, that eventually it'll come to the surface that these superhumans have some deep issues like like we we were bypassing processes that need to happen in the course of a human life. I don't know, like what does it all mean what would a human a superhuman that we've designed have a soul?
1: Or could they de- I mean of course it's going to have a soul, they, but would they design it with some element of not feeling emotion? That's actually another part of the research was seeing how they could create a super soldier that could never get PTSD.
0: Which is terrible because that they would commit a lot of atrocities. They basically you could call it a super soldier that never experiences PTSD. I would call it a sociopath in the army. You know, like a psychopath. Like someone who doesn't feel emotions, doesn't think about repercussions of their actions. I'd call it a robot. Yeah, or a robot, but it has a soul.
1: Well, and and maybe this is... We're getting to like some conspiracy realms. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But this is why, like, I, man, I really enjoy Terminator movies. They're great movies. Uh, but I think that's why artificial intelligence is terrifying i think there there isn't a soul within that it's a man created thing maybe they can input the human aspects or the human yeah human aspects within an artificial intelligence or some kind of supercomputer but at the same time it's a machine built to calculate to the umpteenth degree and there's there's certain discussions on, on artificial intelligence, and I'm no genius on this or I'm no expert, I should say. Um, but one of the things is, okay, artificial intelligence is going to find a way to preserve the earth, first and foremost, because it's its host. It's its livelihood for something. It's energy, whatever. And what is the single greatest threat to earth? Humankind.
0: Yeah, I've heard that, too. Yeah, I don't know. But speaking of Terminator, it was, it was a bit odd. I, I just remember Terminator 2, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. He's a robot, but yet he starts to feel emotion. doesn't he shed a tear at some point? Yeah. And he, yeah. he like shows love and he just like. He cared for. He becomes human. In yeah. A way, which seems impossible if you're purely a program. And underneath that, that skin, it was just metal and electrons firing and,
1: I think they that was their method of saving the world was inputting some element of human emotion within it.
0: Oh, so it was, that was a program. That was part of the program, program, too.
1: But again, it's just a calculation. Yeah, yeah. To feel sympathy. So even then, if the robot supersedes that or becomes more intelligent than that program, again, it's just going to be like, oh, that's an overrided, obsolete program. I'm going to download a new one. That brings me back into a balance of I don't give a shit. Or yeah,
0: something. yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's interesting uh that idea that AI will become intelligent enough to realize that we're a problem. But maybe we're not. Maybe it'll become intelligent enough to realize that we're not a problem. We just we just think we are. And ultimately the forces of the earth and universe are way more powerful than us no matter what we do. And we can destroy ourselves, you know, we can even destroy the planet planet will probably recover with time once we're gone and uh if it doesn't there's a whole universe out there and it'll balance itself out so i think we 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 gives our give ourselves a lot more credit than we deserve (laughs) we really our impact is pretty minimal it
1: is i don't know if you've seen the the clock of time that signifies the the lifetime of the world of earth where it shows that we're literally like five minutes like human, human lifetime like is, the nothing. is nothing It's five minutes on the clock of the, of the world.
0: Right. Right.
1: Or nothing. What, what, what do we think we're going to make an impact? Yeah. I mean, hopefully we can make an impact on people and their lives and things like that. But as far as like destroying the earth, I think the earth is always going to recover. Earth is fine. It even says it in the doubt to chain, like, you know, people are so worried about the environment and the world, but the world, we should be more worried about how we are in the world yeah and our relationship to the world, and yeah, we can destroy each other with nuclear bombs, but in another million years, that's gone that there will be no impact of
0: that, yeah, and maybe we've already done that, and then the aliens that that created us started the experiment over again, or, well, they just they click reset on the computer, yeah, oops, <laughs> <laughs> let's try again. <laughs> I was talking to our friend Bernard, and man, he's so good at verbalizing all of this in terms of like what, what our purpose is and the way he sees it. And he sees it through the lens of ascension. And so ascension, and I, I'm not the right person to explain it, but basically it's the idea that we are, that spirit takes form. And the only purpose is to ascend to, to ascend. And so like evolve spiritually to higher and higher realms towards reunification with oneness with the creator with god and that we essentially or voluntarily are doing this or going through this as because that's just the nature of the universe it's ascension the nature of spirit and the way he put it and through the people he studies and listens to, it's like we've actually already passed several thresholds where we could have destroyed ourselves, but we actually made it through, and now we're actually at a point where the odds of that happening are really minimal, that we're gonna end this journey prematurely, which ultimately doesn't really matter because the journey continues. What do you mean end the journey prematurely? End the journey as human beings on Earth right now in the ascension process. So, like, we have free will, so we can we can fuck it up. We can end our ascension. Um, but I guess it would just take form somewhere else. Um, but we've passed these thresholds where we could have destroyed ourselves, but we didn't. And we're, it's a really optimistic view, actually. Uh, and it, to me, I, I love it. I'd like to get more into it. A to be able to verbalize it and B to kind of reinforce this deeper sense of a purpose that I have, that I, that I feel. And I think it goes hand in hand with the intention of healing and healing trauma and, and, you know, quote unquote waking up and becoming more conscious and aware that is ascension. So ascension is just an upward journey towards awareness and uh, letting go of divisions and within ourselves and uh, realizing our true nature, which is, undif- it's beyond words. You know what I mean? Beyond words. It's beyond. Our 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 nature is beyond words with Felix and Al.
1: <laughs> this is ascension. Yeah. It's like uh, from Terminator when he's like, "You are the resistance." If you're listening to this, well, you are the ascension. If you're listening to this,
0: yeah, you are the ascension. If you're listening yeah you're drawn to that somehow,
1: well, that's that's yeah, and I hope that we start to recognise that more and more, and I feel people are with this increased access to information that is happening right now, this speeding up of information, like literally I mean, I can download a whole documentary on whatever in thirty minutes, and I have this access to this information, maybe it's not the complete truth of it, but I get this glimpse. And I'm drawing these things into my life, and there's something guiding it. There's something, like, there with me, pushing me forward. Um, there's something that pushed me to get Lyme's disease, to eventually maybe find ayahuasca. That was the greatest gift of my life. Yeah, There was something pushing me to leaving the church because I thought I was a sinner and getting me into alcohol and drugs. So I would eventually see, oh, I can actually try these other things like plant medicines and...
0: There's a reason. There's, there's a purpose there's for it a all. Purpose. All of I think, all of our traumas and pains are gateways to our healing, like in our ascension and growth. And so they're actually gifts that we chose, and they're gifts, and they're there to show us. And the way that they show us is oftentimes through s- causing us suffering, which is like ringing the alarm bell. Like, hey, look at look at yourself. Like, see the bigger picture. Wake up. Here we go. I know it's hard, but this is why it's here. They're all teachers. How are diamonds made? In the rough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, through great pressure. I mean. Yeah. I, right. Yeah, it's great intense pressure. Our pearls, same thing. It's an ear constant irritation. It's like the most beautiful things, or most valued things in the world are like through this intense pressure. And like, can you give a a direct example maybe of how your hardship has brought you great blessing? a great opportunity or a great evolution.
0: Yeah, I mean I I mean I I think I've mentioned this before but the reason I first came to plant medicine was depression and the underlying root of a lot of my suffering and depression was trauma, it was my mother's death, you know, when I was 4 years old and I used to look at it like a tragedy that I was a victim of and that it sucks and it'll never be happy like other people but that really shifted over time because it really was a gateway for me on this journey that has led me to this moment. And, you know, if it weren't for that, I don't know that I would have gone on this path. I don't know that I would have learned about meditation or plant medicine or, uh, the deeper understandings of my psyche and consciousness. Like if, if, if I'm born and everything is perfect and everything is given to me and I have perfect family and everything's perfect, then there might not be any motivation to, to actually do this, which I think this is the most truthful thing I can do is look within, understand myself, know know thyself, know myself, and the reason I've gone on that path is because of the traumas. So, yeah,
1: and I, and I think of a recent example with with you, um, and what we shared in a previous podcast is like very little to know growth can happen in a comfort zone like period and I think of your current journey that you're going on in this this new expansion stepping out um, changing countries like leaving leaving what on which is it's hard it's you know uh, or so I'm observing in many different ways but I also see that knowing this this challenges being confronting you you're also expanding in new directions as well Mm. like i.e. this podcast i.e. like let's find new ways to be
0: yeah sure the pressure man the pressure feeling the pressure and even the pressure right now of like having lost my main income source because of the pandemic like that's created a pressure but what i'm noticing is it's really pushing me to to explore and understand what it is that i want to do and what what brings me joy and happiness and um, it, it pushed me out of a comfort zone. And absolutely. I And I think this, again, this pandemic is ultimately a blessing for all of us. Um, and, you know, I say that knowing that some people are really suffering m- more than me economically because of it, or some people have died from it. Um, but I think the whole thing has a role to play. And I, I just see more and more that this was a needed intervention in, in our humanity and in our evolution on our path. Like it's forced everyone to take a step back and re examine our patterns and routines and behaviors as individuals and as a society that a lot of those weren't necessarily for the greater good of ourselves or for our evolution as human beings, you know. Um so it's an interruption. It's a shock to the system, uh, but I see it as a blessing.
1: Yeah, I almost hear maybe some of our (coughs) listeners thinking, oh, wow. I mean, there's terrible, terrible things that happen to people on this earth. How can that actually, how is that a good thing? Or how can that actually help growth? You know, I mean, there's horrific things that happen on this planet. And how can that actually be a sign of something beneficial? Like, this is where people lose faith in a greater source of intelligence such as God or universe or nature and whatever. Like, we, we disconnect ourselves because we, It's almost like we focus so much on that negative point that we don't see where that can lead. Um, There's this really great book by a guy named Eliaphus Levi, and it's a book on magic. I don't recommend reading it. It's pretty terrible. (laughs) Um, But one thing he says, and I'm going to butcher the quote, and I'll eventually look it up, and I'll put it on the Facebook page when it's correct. But he says that... um, Good uses good to accomplish good means. Good also uses evil to accomplish good means. Evil is always used by good to accomplish good things. Mm. Evil really has no end point, or like bad or heavy or whatever it is, has no end point. And I think of this within my own personal journey of drinking plant medicine and going through healing these traumas and and, and exp- these explorations, these inner explorations and. And I'll be honest. There's there's been several years of extreme challenge where it's just been darkness. And I remember sitting and especially when we're working now that we're in this this other role. It's like, it was like years of just like, all we do is fight demons and and clean off black magic from people. Like, what is there any light in this world? It was just such a heavy. That's just a very small, you know, short trailer of what actually happen and and those struggles that happened within that but I just I some part of me knew there's something else I couldn't put my finger on it at the time I don't know if it was something I don't want to say it was like an angel I don't want to say anything like that I just want to say there was something inside of me that knew on the other side of that that it's going to be okay And Saf and I have a little term for it every time we go into the jungle. We're like, no matter what we go through here, at the end we're going to be sitting on the bench together smoking a papacho going, whew, that was hard. But we're here. We're okay. And it was a vision she had while I was dieting by myself in terrifying isolation and dying, basically. And um, I I stuck to that. And so in this time of desperation from my personal experience, it's like I, I'm looking for anchors of hope and methods of rebuilding my joy, methods of rebuilding an optimistic state of mind or a positive state of mind. Um, and I just don't know, like, what, w- what would you say to that? What how would we find optimism in the darkness? How do we find the light
0: in the darkness? Mm. That's a good, uh, so if I just, mean there are moments in my life where i couldn't it's only afterwards that i realized the light that was in it and so i don't i don't know for me looking back at those moments and as recently as you know this process when i was in africa with iboga pandemic everything it was i didn't see i was in desperation i didn't see any light Uh, there was maybe a glimmer there was just a little glimmer that kept me going but I think it's helpful to a just remember kind of like what you said and we said this last week, you know, the idea that in the end everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And so just remembering that and, and I've had so many episodes in my life where I just felt like I'm going to be in this dark experience forever, forever. And every time I've yet to be proven wrong, every time, it shifts, it comes out of it. Um, and so for me, it's just the experience of having been through it so many times and knowing that it always comes through. That's part of what keeps me going when I'm in darkness. Uh, but then again, when it's so intense, like it was in Africa this time, man, I forgot. And I, I thought this was it. I thought this was, I, my life was going to end in this really dark place and everything had gone to shit and just everything fell apart. And you know what? That was part of my... I needed to experience that because in the end everything is okay. So that always happens. Whether I remember it or not, in the end everything's okay. So... And I'm still integrating that experience but I know this will be something that I will reflect on and know that it also played its role in helping shape my experience into the diamond, you know. Uh, so in some ways, there's nothing we really have to do. Um, if there's anything to do, it's just stay connected with faith. To me, that's what faith is. It's it's, it's being in uncertainty, yet finding the certainty that everything's okay, and it's going to be okay. Um, I also think like the The Hindu, the karmic view of the world and that explanation, to me, that puts everything into perspective and it makes all suffering, it gives it a purpose. And it's like, this is, we we came here for this and we're, we have to go through this. We have to work out this karma. And so it gives everything a meaning. And some people take it the wrong way, like karma, using karma as an excuse, you know, to to hurt someone or to... uh, devalidate someone's suffering oh it's just their karma and i think there's a more skillful way to apply the karmic explanation but i think it really does put everything into perspective and to me it just means that everything i experience is for a reason including all the difficulty and suffering and the ultimate outcome is everything's okay and i have to go through that to get back to that it's 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 a process of balance we talked about balance you know if we live all these many many lifetimes on earth everything needs to be balanced out these experiences in order to realize ultimately that uh, our experience in this realm is not it's not it it's a pathway it can be the gateway to realizing what actually is ultimately true and what's ultimately true is none of this none of these stories i mean they're true and they're not true but they're 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 really just gateways towards realizing our true nature. Why do you think the Buddha is smiling? Exactly. <laughs> Why is there a laughing
1: Buddha? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's very well put, Al. Um, and I really like what you said about, like, sometimes in the thick of it, you, there is, there's there's no hope at some point. And I, and I think, for me, in my personal experience, when I've hit those moments, those were catalyst moments that changed me in ways I can never put my finger on, but I know they've changed me forever. Um, I think of a a huge moment uh, that happened within this last couple years, and I got to watch Safa go through an incredibly strong breva, a very, very, very big test. And it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen in my whole life, and I was in this moment, and there was nobody could help nobody and I just I just I was like this is it this is the end I'm gonna I'm gonna lose her I'm gonna lose I'm, we're done and it wasn't a relationship thing it was like a, a physical thing um that was happening and at the end of it we talked to her and she made it through she's okay she's in the house right now um but she talked and she said you know when I was in this place this terrifying place." She said, the only thing I could hold on to and the only thing I could do was actually have faith in Sui. I had faith that he could help me no matter what. And I didn't care. And I could just only hold on to that. Sui being your teacher. Sui, yeah. Holding the dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, oh, man, I, I'll really be honest in this podcast. I have a huge aversion to the word faith because of my religious upbringing and I have for a long time and I just thought it was the stupidest thing ever and it's a way to control people and within this last dieta I actually rekindled faith um, not not in something like a religion not in something like that but just like a really grounded faith in myself in the plants uh, in the process of what this medicine work is and it works (laughs) and i just i had the her words (coughs) radiating through my head (coughs) while i'm trying to help one of our um pasajeros our guests uh our patients and i'm trying to help this person trying to help this person and no matter what there's this thing that just didn't want to be removed or be healed and it really had to go it was very negative to this person but I just I wouldn't let my faith I didn't care about anything else I didn't care if I got slapped in the face didn't matter I just wouldn't let my faith move at all and I sat there and, and I had this uh, this belief that I would not let go and it worked I we made it through this 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 patient and I made it through this incredibly big energy that needed to be moved. And so, yeah, these these huge, dark moments are gonna hit us. they're gonna they're just they're inevitable. It doesn't matter how much medicine work, it doesn't matter how I don't know, you can be smiling at the universe all the time. You're still gonna face incredible challenges. <clears throat> but they're there for such great reason and great teachings and that faith when we're in the thick of it and we can't see the light and we're in a closed box and it's just it's pushing us down to the ground and we can't breathe whatever it doesn't matter it's like I know I know I can do this you wouldn't be experiencing it if you couldn't and then if you die you die and you know what I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>, and, <laughs> and then everything's okay it's
0: okay that's i guess that's what that's the purpose of all these kind of initiatory experiences is to take us all the way to our edge because same thing, man, I had an aversion to faith, not so much from an, a religious upbringing, but just more from an association with religion, parts of it that annoyed the shit out of me. Um, and But I've had these experiences with plant medicine primarily where they take me to my total edge, and all that's left is faith. Like, everything seems lost, and then I'm just down to the core of all I can hold on to is faith that it's going to be okay. And so I inevitably have to do that on some level. And it re it makes me think of, I've I've been recently uh, for the second time, like diving into this, this teacher, his name is Neville Goddard. I don't know if I've talked about him before. I think you'd love this guy, Felix. Yeah, Neville, so Neville Goddard uh, and N e v i l l first name Neville last name Goddard G o d d a r d. He was a a teacher, really based in Christian Christianity. Uh, he was born in like Bermuda, and then he made his way to New York, and eventually he became like a Christian like preacher. But he was preaching a little differently, and so he saw the Bible and everything in it um, as a metaphor for. The mind and he saw our entire journey as a journey of the mind and he talks about just on this theme of faith like he talks about the god within and our creative power within and he, he he talks about the our the power of our imagination basically and he has in his books and in his teachings and so there's there's books online you can read his stuff and you can also there's recordings on youtube there's a ton of them and I'd like to just go to sleep to it because it gets into the subconscious. But he, he gives exercises where you kind of get yourself into a subconscious state and you imagine what you want your life to look like. And because he has the view that I agree with that our life in a lot of ways is a manifestation of within, of our what we think about. And so when we live unconsciously you know like i have many points in my life and especially in the first 30 years uh we often people often notice they repeat the same patterns repeat the same trauma repeat the same abusive relationship repeat and it's basically because they're just rerunning this program over and over so they keep manifesting the same outcome and then it just leads i feel like a victim like the same thing keeps happening to me my life is shit And he's just basically showing ways to get into that programming and he he uses the Bible to teach it and he takes all these passages from the Bibles and reframes them as actually, no, this is a metaphor for the mind, the power of your imagination. And so um, you imagine the outcome that you want. You're actually creating your life, whether you can choose to do it consciously or you can let the program keep running and you're unconsciously creating your life. But it's always up to you. It's your free will. And so I think a lot of in his time a lot of other people in christianity th- thought this was like heresy you know he's like saying that we're god you know it's basically the the ultimate consciousness is where we can tap into that all of us and that that's god from his perspective and that's the creative force and so i think it's so true i mean again talking about this journey from africa and And at some point, I got to the point where all I could do was just visualize myself getting back here and walking into my garden and making it home when all the odds seemed stacked against me. And it happened. It happened exactly how I visualized it. When I walked into the garden, it was exactly the way I saw it. And I saw my wife and everything was exactly how I had imagined it. And man, last night I was, I don't want to get political here, but I want to tie this into I watched the debates last night. So the U S presidential debates, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and I'm not going to get political by not even addressing their policies or their personalities. So some people hate Donald Trump. He's a egomaniac or a narcissist. He says a bunch of stupid shit people think, and some people hate Joe Biden. He's senile, angry old man, whatever. But I was just watching the debate, man. And from this perspective of imagining and creating an outcome for my life, I saw, man, I saw one guy was painting a picture through anger and pessimism and darkness and that everything's fucked and he was saying that and saying I'm here and my party's here to fix all that. And then the other guy was paying a picture of like optimism, like we're rounding the corner here. We're going to like, everything's going to be okay. This is what we're going to do. Like, and all policy aside and all qualms with their personalities aside, like there's one particular thing that I'm more drawn to, which is the optimistic vision. And it's, some of it might be a blind optimism. Like there is such thing as blind optimism, but there's also a difference in just a mentality and how we look at our lives and how we look at the world. And if we're going to sit around and just look at the world as we're all fucked and there's nothing we can do about it and we're terrible species and uh, we're all evil to each other and all this and that, then that's the outcome we're going to bring about. Even if it feels like we're doing this from some kind of righteous place and you know but if we sit here and look at the world as we have it and envision a brighter future like why is that why can't that be possible why do so many people think that it's just not possible and that we're fucked and we're gonna have to blame this person and that person and i i really truly firmly believe it's within our power and so i am more aligned and drawn to Uh, leaders who, in whatever way, in their own whatever way, exhibit that sort of outlook, like a positive outlook, uh, an outlook where we overcome our difficulties, an outlook where we've already overcome our difficulties. So a lot of Neville Goddard's teachings, it's it's not about visualizing in your imagination what you want the future to look like. It's actually about visualizing that outcome happening right now and feeling it. And this ties into people like Bruce Lipton, too, who uh, is basically, at, I think, at the cutting edge of like understanding neuroscience and 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 how we can train our brain and reprogram ourselves to have a different outcome. But it all it all comes down to um, experiencing right now, creating an it right now the experience of what we want our life to look like so getting excited like creating the emotion about the future of excitement and joy visualizing as if it's happening now because by doing that we're essentially like imprinting and reprogramming our conscious mind to bring this into our experience right now and so i'm not going to name names in this political race i think a lot of people can probably come to their own conclusions about it and maybe people see these two candidates in a different light maybe they see one a different guy as the optimist than i do but um but I'm drawn to that. Everything else aside, I'm drawn to a uh, a vision that includes the possibility that we're already in an amazing place in, in in our life and in the evolution of our species, and that we can only continue to evolve in a positive direction rather than negativity, fear, anger. Uh, blame and all of that so there's enough negativity
1: on the planet right now we't do
0: need much and it's money. totally it's self replicating hmm. so the negativity doesn't solve anything it's a virus. it just it's a virus it absolutely is and it just creates more of it but that's what we need to go through I guess as human species like we have to go through this to realize how counterproductive it is to our evolution or it it's productive to our evolution in the sense that we have to go through it to realize that it's counterproductive so everything's okay no matter who wins this election i'm also you know i have a horse in the race and and for a while i was like jesus if, if this horse doesn't win then fuck the world is fucked but now i'm at a point it's like no matter what happens like there's going to be lessons there's going to be learning from it and uh everything's okay and i've i've had horses in the race before that lost and everything's okay even though they lost so i think a lot of us will put way too much uh weight on the consequences of an election and yeah it carries some weight but ultimately uh it's okay it's okay everybody let's just chill the fuck out (laughs) it's okay chill out
1: yeah well that that brings up a lot of I mean, everything you've said brings up a lot of different things for me. Um, the first I think of is, as far as a good leader is Hicks and Gracie. Hicks and Gracie is an incredible—he's a master at jiu-jitsu. Let's put him for president. Oh, my God. He'd be amazing. And nobody would be able to tap him out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But Hicks and Gracie, he talks about higher belt levels. Um, we are, Al and I are both still white belts, so— we don't really
0: You're a blue belt wearing a right white belt my man. Nah, yeah, no, <laughs> Let's I will, face it.
1: When I earn it, I earn it. But uh <laughs> Um, thank you though, that's very kind. Uh but he he has this mentality of loving defeat and loving when he gets caught because he he, he needs to learn something there. And so what he would do is he'd put himself in the worst position possible in jujitsu or in a fight. And he would find a way out. Doesn't mean he doesn't get hurt in that situation, but he gets out of it. And that's how he learned to be good at jiu-jitsu. Well, I think that's what life naturally does to us. It puts us in these very challenging situations. And it's like, get out. I've got my hands around your throat. You can't breathe. Get out. Change. Or pass out and just live here in this really miserable state. Um... Uh, but eventually you're going to hopefully want to change and get out of that position. Uh, working with certain addicts or people who have done drugs for a long period of their life, they feel like they have this monkey on their back or they feel like there is something controlling them. And you know what? There is. There's some bad spirit or bad element or bad energy that has wrapped itself within this person and is pushing them into these bad places. Well, how is that any different from jiu when I'm rolling with, with Chase, who's a black belt, it's like he's going to put me in bad positions. Um, I really have very little control to stop that. But I will do everything I can to stay safe and hopefully get out. And that's all I made me to do. I'm going to get caught and a lot. I'm going to get caught a lot. I'm going to get caught by other white belts. I'm going to get caught by other blue belts, purple belts. It doesn't matter. And I I can say that so easily within this space of a podcast and reflecting on it but in that space of somebody choking you or somebody messing with your arm and putting you into a real kind of painful place it's 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 harder so it's really it's it's been a catalyst for me to start embracing life in different ways and and i hope if anything like what you're sharing is we just, we, ourselves, Al and I, and, and I don't want to speak for you, is we're constantly looking for new ways to embrace and approach life. And a huge part of that is learning about the mind. I mean, I, I think it's the only part, but there's an argument there, or a, there can be a debate or discussion. But uh, it goes back to, to what Sui says to me over and over and over and over again. Sui, my teacher, he says, Todo es sinan. Everything is mind. Everything is mind. Oh, and I'm, you know, I heard that. and I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. Like, I'm looking out and that's all mind. Yeah, that's cool. There's a mountain there, but it's mind. There's a cool little high concept, you know, like, God is blah, 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 blah. blah. And the more I go into this process of trying, not trying to, but with this ambition to evolve or grow, like, I, I just see that it's just the mind. I can literally change, and so can you, your listeners. So can you, Al. So can anyone. In this moment, right now, you can change your entire world. You can look out, and I can look out right now. And there's clouds in the skies, and look like it might rain. We had some wind earlier, and man, I just—it's it's, going to ruin the podcast. And it's just, it just—it feels dreary, and I feel heavy and tired, and I just don't feel like doing anything. I give up. And that's a mindset, and I'm going to live to that. And I'm going to follow that mindset. I'm going to follow this wave that the mind is taking me down. And I'm going to go into this place of I'm heavy and tired. I'm just going to go turn on some Netflix and just kind of let my life drain by. Or there's this new mindset that's starting to emerge in me. And I know like, oh my God, there's so many elements to the mind. And the mind is still a massive mystery to me. And man, that is exciting. You know what? The sun's starting to come out. It actually really is here in what on. The sun's starting to come out. And man, okay, I'm a bit tired, but you know, I can push through it and I really want to start engaging with my life and bringing things into my life in a positive way. Let's do a podcast. Let's, let's start exploring our mind together. Let's start opening discussions. Let's start opening the world of our mind and embracing more positive mental states. Even if I don't fully believe it, if I don't think I'm actually have energy right now, I'm actually going to like pretend like I have energy. This idea of fake it till you make it, man, it is, it works. It works. It works in nature all the time. I've watched little mongoose animals chase off huge lions in the jungle in, in TV, not real life. but uh, And it's their mindset. I've watched badgers beat up lions and chase off hyenas. They like honey badgers, man. If you watch honey badgers, they're amazing. They're tiny. I mean, a lion could rip it to shreds, but... The lion runs away from it like it's it's a grizzly bear, you know. And so the more I can start catching my mindset when it starts to fall into these places of, like, these pessimistic mentalities or these pessimistic mindsets, like, and it happens a lot, especially during quarantine, where I'm like, I'm not working. I'm still paying bills and things are going south. Or okay, I've got this opportunity to change and I have this opportunity to create something new. I have this opportunity to find a new aspect of myself that I can present to the world that I can start advertising, so to speak, or or utilizing. And man, it's hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard to start changing and getting out of these little ruts that I put myself into. And I put myself in there. But once I start to get this momentum of going up the hill of, no, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. I know I will. I know I am. Like the little train that could, the little engine that could. My favorite story as oh, a kid. I love it. It's a great teaching. That's It's like the most profound he teaching. He was
0: changing his mind. Yeah.
1: And, and And that's all I've been trying to do. And I'm, again, no master, but it's like I can't give up on myself. And <clears throat> I think where a lot of personal work stops is when we just give up on ourselves. And honestly, you you can't. And this is why you know, people get into very depressed states. This is why people talk about suicide. It's like <laughs> I'm going to give up on myself. I'm going to give up on life. Well, okay. With a limited understanding of you think this is it. This is the end. Yeah, you you've you've given up on this part, but there's many more to come. Um. Yeah, and I and I have these opportunities in my day-to-day of like I can I can really hate myself if I want to. I can really hate this situation. I can be like very very pessimistic. But I just I don't feel like living like that anymore. I don't feel like staying in those holes longer and longer. So
0: Yeah, man. It's the hardest I mean, sometimes it feels like the hardest thing to do is when I get into my like a depressive state and with the depression comes the negative thinking and the pessimism and the it's it's possible but it's sometimes it seems so hard to get out of it but if i really reflect i notice that ever since the day i made it my conscious intention to heal this that it's gotten a little bit easier uh and it's funny, my teacher said the same thing. My teacher Ernesto, he said it in Spanish. He said, todo es mental. And it stuck with me. It didn't make much sense in the, at first, but um, everything is mind. And we have we have a power there and what we do with it. And changing it is hard, but there are ways to change it that aren't so hard. And yeah, one way is like the little engine that could. So like mantra, like, I think I can, I think I can. And that's kind of trying to change it from the conscious mind. And I think that that works in some way with repetition, but it seems like the, the real impactful, powerful way to do it is to access the subconscious realms. And I think that's a lot of this work with plant medicine. And that's, you know, the, the exercises Neville Goddard shares, it's like, It's it's about getting to the root. We talk about the root, getting to the root of these thoughts, and going into there. You want to treat it like a a program, getting into like the the mainframe operating system, and doing things to change it. It really is possible. Uh, And there's little things that I do that, and when I stop doing them, it impacts me. It's like when I start my day or before when I go to bed if I just take a moment when I lay it down, close my eyes to visualize the next day and everything I'm going to do to feel like I'm making progress in my life and how it's going to go and how I'm going to feel. It has a major impact because then I'm like programming myself so that when I wake up that next morning, it's already there the the, the, the blueprint is there and it might not go exactly how I envisioned it, but, but I'll have that little motivation to go for a run and to uh, get some things done that I've been putting off making a list right before I go to bed of, of all the things I'm going to do tomorrow to just check off the list, things I'm putting off, you know, these like bureaucratic pain in the ass stuff, uh, uh, working out everything. So it's the hardest thing, but it's the most amazing thing to realize that it's possible. This is our power. We We can actually change. We can change and Again, for listeners, and you know, there's so many people out in the world. I wish I could share this when I look at what's happening in my own country and the the division and the suffering. Sometimes I just want to, like, I wish, and they will in their own time, realize that they're creating it. They're creating it through the stories they're telling themselves about themselves and who they are and what the world is. And that can all change. And you can change the entire world through simply changing how you think about it, how you view it. And uh, Neville Goddard, man, he's a great, great teacher of that, of like how to do that in a really profound and beautiful, eloquent way. He points to that, that, that the Bible and Jesus, they were all teaching about our mind and how we have the power to change the world and our experience simply through how changing how we think about it.
1: I have a funny story that goes along with the little engine that could. Uh, in a past life, not a real past life, but like in this lifetime that feels like a past life, I used to do a lot of weightlifting. I loved I loved weightlifting. My motto back then was strong body, strong mind, strong spirit. Rah, strong.
0: That's awesome, man.
1: <laughs> and I'd go to the gym and I'd lift weights. And I did a lot of Olympic lifts. So I did deadlifts, hang, clean, snatch. Um, squats all this stuff and these weights are huge and I'm a small guy I'm not a very big guy and what I found is that if I really wanted to lift three times my body weight I could but I had to say I can I can I can while I did it, and every time I did and remembered to do I can I can I can I would lift the weight and it would be easy and then if I kind of got lost in my music or like getting into the vibe of like the gym and like lifting weights and I couldn't. I would do less reps. I would do less. It was like this weird mantra of I can actually help me to lift weights. And I th- found that was the power of the mind. And, you know, the challenge with this place of we, we dig ourselves in these holes of I can't, everything sucks, oh, I hate my life, uh, I'm bored. The challenge is actually wanting to change out of that. That's the hardest hardest part and it's uh, sometimes it's it feels impossible it feels impossible and especially when people are coming to plant medicine to do work uh in any form if you don't want to get out of the mind state that you're in sure you can have nice little epiphanies and you can have beautiful experiences but you won't and i and i hate to say that it's not a fix everything tool It can in incredible ways it can heal you in incredible ways and it can change a lot of different things but there has to be a willingness to get out of the hole and Man, those holes are comfortable and man those holes are just so familiar and Man getting out of that hole is just I don't really even want to believe that I can Why would I ever want to believe every time I believed it's just not true. It just it shows me again and again I really can't Yeah, it does that to challenge you. You're in a hole. You have to get up the hill. You can't go down anymore. You have to go up. And these low points, you know, as a mental imagery reference point, they are literally low points. You are literally in a pit. And how hard is it to climb out of a pit when the sand is falling around you and you're pulling rocks down with you? You're going to do three steps forward and two steps back every single time. But if you keep counting that one step forward, you're going to make it out. And for anyone who's thinking about doing plant medicine, who anyone who wants to do this personal work, that mentality will heal you faster than anything else. Faster than any maestro, faster than any plant medicine, faster than any guru in, in India. It doesn't matter. That mindset of I can actually get out of this hole and I'm going to do no, no matter what, I'm not going to give up until I'm out of the hole, you will, and you'll heal it. But that has to be there and it's a reality check for a lot of people when they realize actually i've been pushing myself down into the hole more than i've been pulling myself out and i say that from personal experience um so there's there is compassion in it and i say that from continual experience when i see my day-to-day where i happily can sit on my front porch and smoke and potchas, drink coffee and just never move I don't want to change it's so much effort to get up and go over and do this workout or do this and you know and I I'm trying and I won't give up on myself and that's that's all I can relay through this process is just don't give up even when it feels like you're going backwards 10,000 steps you're gonna make it forward at least 10 (laughs) just keep going those 10
0: forward every single time amen man when he talks about weightlifting it made me think of, um, you heard about the four minute mile. So it's like for the longest time, no one could break the mile in four minutes running. And then one day somebody did it. They broke a mile in four minutes. And then all of a sudden within a very short period, a bunch of people started breaking the four minute mile. And so again, it's an, and. To me, it's a clear example of the power of the mind. It's like once people realize that it's possible because someone else did it, all they had to do was realize it's possible and all of a sudden they did, they were doing it. Like it's 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 possible. It's, just remember it's yeah. possible. I mean, why do you you know in athletics, why do we are we continually breaking records? You know, some would argue better nutrition, better training, but also it's just I, I, I think that our m- mind Of understanding what's possible is is constantly expanding and so we keep going further we keep breaking records we keep improving because we're breaking slowly these these little barriers of limitation and the same thing comes with healing and and for me you know it's like that first ayahuasca experience i had a really profoundly blissful experience and then i came back to earth and depression came back for a period but there was something that shifted in that I saw what's possible for how I can actually possibly feel. I saw that possibility and that, that kept me going, you know, and it's, it's knowing what's possible that helps us to break these barriers little by little, you know, but like you said, it's, um, if the intention is truly there, then we will heal whatever it is we want to heal. And some, sometimes you have to go through a period of despair because to me, it was like the ultimate despair and feeling like I'm fucked forever that that pushed me to have to find a way because I, can't, I couldn't bear how I felt. So again, I'm grateful for all the holes and I'm grateful for even the moments where I thought I couldn't get out of the hole. Uh, but ultimately, there's a determination there and, and a recognition that it is possible. That's the first step. Creating a framework in my mind to know that it's possible. And that's faith to me. It's just like... I am not there yet, but I know that that's a possibility. Every outcome is possible. And I I can choose to direct my attention towards the one that involves healing and growth and evolution and learning.
1: Being a millionaire is just a mindset.
0: Well, yeah, man.
1: (laughs) There's uh, just, on a final note too, is like an incredible author to check out that talks a lot about this is a guy named Michael Talbot. Michael Talbot was a man who had a lot of very odd psychic experiences in his life and it led him into studying consciousness and he talks about a story of of a doctor who had a cancer patient and this brand new medication came out and it said that it works 100% and it'll heal cancer in a certain period of time and so he's like okay it's just a trial here you go he gave gave it to the guy the guy took it and his tumors dissolved like ice cubes Well, several months later, a paper comes out about the research around that certain cancer treatment and how it's actually false and it doesn't work. His tumors came back, and they were growing in the system again. So he went back to the doctor. The doctor said, well, okay, I see this is happening. All right, well, um, there's a new treatment coming out right now, and it's still pretty trial, but here we can try it out, and it says it works really well. He took it. The paper said it worked great, and again, his tumors melted like ice cubes. Again, the paper came back out, and it said that this medication doesn't work. The tumors came back, and he died. But within that, this doctor was like, there's a huge key to understanding how to heal just through understanding these mindsets or these, just these placebo effects. Why do you think there's a placebo? There's a placebo because even the placebo sometimes works better than the actual medication in itself. It's just if the person actually believes it's going to change them, it will. Uh, another story on belief that Safa shared with me, this incredible monk came to a, went to an ashram. And this monk had learned through years and years of intense meditation that he could put his thumbprint into a rock. And so he went to this ashram to demonstrate this, and he said, okay, go out and bring all the, the strongest believers, the people who truly believe that I could do, that this can happen, and bring them in. And so she gathers a lot of people because a lot of people really believed in this man. And he went to demonstrate, so he grabbed the rock and put his thumbprint in the rock and he gave it to the lady. And she turned it over and on the other side there was scorch marks. And he says, ah, somebody in here didn't believe. And so this, this metaphor for faith, like these small chinks in our armor, these cracks in our armor that limit us from actually achieving incredible things are the scorch marks on the bottom of the rock are these things that actually are stopping us from achieving true potential and this is i i would say one of the core if i could really put into the words the core motivation of my life is learning the mind in a way that i can fly not really fly but maybe but to this extent of really understanding the full capacity of the mind i'm so inspired by this and it works there's incredible things the minds can do this is why i shared the practice of the sigils of drawing things into your life through this this method through this tool
0: i believe i can fly you know that's amazing man i sometimes would think about this like well if everything is mine then i believe i can fly why aren't i flying i truly believe this might be far-fetched to some people that anything we can do anything it's just that the belief that I can't fly is very very powerful because I'm faced with evidence every day that I can't gravity is bitch and there are you know accounts of yogis levitating so these are the most practiced guys who spend all day every day on their mind and working on breaking their mind from limiting beliefs and they do that all day and all they can do is levitate a little bit so it shows to me how how hard that one is to overcome but I entirely believe it's possible just on the foundation that everything is mind our whole experience is mind so yeah Yeah. don't try to fly at home folks no 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 we're not asking you to try maybe try from like a really low platform
1: Where where do birds try and fly from they try and fly from the ground so yeah I thought
0: they like jump out of the nest is that a myth that's like like when they're ready but they usually
1: fall straight to the ground yeah
0: Yeah. so so that's maybe the ultimate one to overcome but essentially we're just dealing with limited beliefs that's all we're dealing with and to me the path of ascension and evolution is uh, gradually working through those and realizing that they're untrue in their very nature and I don't expect to fly in this lifetime but maybe that's what's preventing me from flying I don't know You know what I mean some the Wright brothers believed that we could fly they just believed that we needed a machine to do it and they made it happen I mean look at all the amazing technology that started it's amazing to me that starts as an idea well it it used to be considered magic right right and a lot of people thought it was like heresy and is but it started as an idea in the mind and people made it or they brought it into this physical realm so like everything exists as a possibility and some are able to bring it into existence. I mean, jet, like every time I get in an airplane, not every time, but sometimes I'm just sitting in that freaking sardine can, like we're flying through the air in this giant heavy piece of metal. This is incredible. Not only that, but it's really safe. Like I am safer doing this than getting in a car on the ground. It just flawlessly flies. Like what the how is this possible? Well, somebody believed it was possible and they just kept that belief alive and they got a bunch of other people who believed in it and they engineered it and they worked on it and they brought their imagination into reality and that's it. So I believe it's possible to heal. I believe it's possible to overcome depression and trauma. And I believe I can... <laughs> I believe I can be happy. And it's that's Amen. that's motivation. So... Just keeps it going. Yeah. Hey, man, I have to go pick up my food order I just remembered. Oh, well, Isn't that was a fun, a fun adventure through the mind. A fun adventure through the mind.
1: Well, th- thank you so much for listening to Beyond Words. You've tuned in to episode 14.
0: 14, numero 14. 14. Uh, yeah, We've got some exciting uh developments in the pipeline. We're we expanding do. this podcast, our offering and uh we're just working it out, so stay tuned for more uh more about that more interactions with more us interactions, and, yeah. more content uh some more some different kinds of content that we feel might be useful and interesting and we'd love to hear from you so uh if you are listening right now and maybe you have some questions or some some topics that you'd like us to discuss more, or maybe we we touched on something and your mind said, oh, let's get into that. Um, What interests you? We'd like to know uh, what interests you. So please, we'll post about this on our Facebook group, but please just get on the group. Uh, We want to hear from people um, so that this will also help us to mold and shape the direction we're taking this great podcast journey. So, Cool. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for talking, Felix. Thanks for talking, Al. Sweet. Uh, Thanks. Gracias. Gracias a todo. Thanks to everything. Thanks to this amazing technology. Look, we're talking into a thing that's going to spread around the world. Wow. This is magic. It's magic. It's real magic. It is. (laughs) All right. Peace out, everybody. (laughs) Peace. Ciao.